All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode. This is episode 190, and the topic of today's episode is the importance of showing up for others. So this is huge because a lot about what I talk about in my podcast in general in the last, you know, 190 episodes, most of the episodes revolve around your relationship with yourself and how you need to prioritize yourself, put yourself first, all of the above. And that is absolutely true. Obviously, I still stand by that. I stand by everything I've spoken about thus far. However, I really wanted to cover the importance of showing up for other people because, and I have mentioned this many times, I haven't just brushed over it, I've gone in depth, but I want to go in depth again because connection with other people is one of the true main, main pillars of happiness. When you have human connection, real, deep human connection, not superficial shit, I'm talking about a proper connection, that is where you feel happy. You feel on purpose, you feel accomplished, and you feel like there is a meaning to your life, okay? When you are completely isolated or when everything is surface level and you feel like there's no real connection, that's where you start feeling detached, flat, unhappy, anxious, or depressed, or a combination of the above. So I think it's going to be a really good episode because you're going to realize that There is a lot that you can be doing to show up for other people. And you're also going to realize that even if you want to look at it from a selfish perspective, showing up for other people is going to impact your life incredibly. You gain so much by doing something for somebody else. So it's just a two-way street here. It is something that you can implement today. It is something that you should be implementing every single day and it could actually transform your life because it can transform your sense of purpose and your overall mood and how you feel about yourself. Okay, before we get into that, I am going to be doing a brain fact and I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a life update about something that happened to me recently. Lol, hilarious. Um, And then I'm going to go into the topic of today and then at the end of the episode, I will be answering. I'm back to answering some of the listener questions. Now, if you do have a listener question that you want, um, I'll I'll remind you at the end of the episode as well. But if you have a listener question that you want to send in, it is send it to info at dyfmpod.com. All right. So first little life update. Uh, I recently got back from Bali. I've been to Bali, like I think this is my either my seventh or my eighth time that I've been to Bali. Love it so much. Always have a great time. Tyrone and I went for two weeks and I was doing a lot of writing there. It was a really good place to just get into a great headspace, you know, getting ready to get the podcast back up, all of that. And Tyrone and I were on the scooter I was, we were both on the same scooter and we were heading down to check out the surf one day. And this is on a street, on a road in Changu that we go down all the time. Now there's a lot of stray dogs in Changu and I think they are the, I mean, I don't go and pat them, but I think they're the fucking cutest things in the world. And Tyrone's like, don't fucking touch that dog. And I'm like, I'm not going to touch it, but cute. Oh, sweet baby. Look at it. So I always think they're fucking adorable. Anyway, we're riding down this road. We're near the end and we had to slow down because there's a few scooters kind of parked at people on their scooters parked at the end looking at the surf. So we're slowing down. As we're slowing down, there's this dog that's kind of had a bit of an altercation with another dog. It looked like it had just had a bit of a fight or something. And just as we're passing, I think that dog was already quite heightened and aggravated. And it turned and started barking at us and chasing us, but we really couldn't get far at all because we were kind of blocked off. So we managed to swerve it a little bit, swerve it again. And then the dog kind of reached out and bit my leg. 
we nearly missed it. It was so annoying because we nearly missed it. But bit my leg. But it didn't hurt at all. I was like, nah, it definitely didn't get me. It tried to, but it didn't. We got away, pulled into a car park. This is near Old Man's if any of you guys have been to Chengu. Anyway, so we pull in. We get away from the dog. I jump off the scooter. I'm like, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. I am check my leg and it's bleeding. I'm like, fuck. So we went to a pharmacy and I was like, I need to go to a clinic. I think I need some sort of like tetanus injection or like a rabies injection. I don't know. And the pharmacist was like, yep. The dogs, there is a rabies problem here. You definitely need to go to a clinic. Rolled into a clinic and basically they were like, have you ever been vaccinated for rabies? And I've never been vaccinated for rabies. It's not really a thing in Australia. If you get bitten by a dog in Australia, you get a tetanus shot, but not really a rabies shot. It's not like a thing. So I know for a fact I'd never been vaccinated for rabies. So I was like, no, I haven't. So they're like, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. We have to give you two rabies vaccine injections today. Another one in a week, another one in three weeks when you're back home in Australia, you get the final course of the um, the dose. They also had to give me a t- – so they gave me one in my left arm, one in my right arm. Then they had to give me a tetanus shot in my glutes. And then they were like, because you have not been vaccinated against rabies, this vaccine that we're giving you now is going to take a while to become fully effective. And if that dog – had rabies and bit you and it's drawn blood so there's a transfer you and if you do have rabies now in your system it will get to your central nervous system before the vaccine has has done its job to build up enough antibodies to fight it and then it's fucking game over for you they didn't word it that way they worded it in a much more medically professional way but basically that's what they were saying so what i needed instead was something called human rabies immunoglobulin and it's basically this it's a, I'm, I'm actually going to do a brain fact about this next week. So I'll go into it later. But basically it's this treatment that they give you to fight, to, to basically stop the rabies from getting to your central nervous system. And it acts a whole lot faster than the vaccine would. Had I been vaccinated, I would not have needed this human rabies immunoglobulin. Okay. Now this stuff cost me five grand. I mean, my, my travel insurance covered it, but five grand because I needed five doses based on my body weight. So you ne- I needed five doses and in each dose there were two units. So they, when they administered it to me, they had to inject five units into one quad, four units into the other quad and picture this, they had to inject one unit with like two little injections in the wound, like in the fucking wound. And I'm like, surely this is a fucking J up. And then I was Googling it and it's, that's exactly what they do. So she's injecting it into the wound. The other injections were fine because it's into like muscle or, in, you know, into fat. But this one's like just under the skin at the side of the wound. That was not a good time. I do have it. Well, Tyrone has a photo of me lying there and I've got all these Band-Aids on. It's hilarious from all the injections. And then the doctor said to me, she was like, oh, that's nothing. This lady came in a few weeks ago and she had gone to one of those monkey sanctuaries uh, in a place where rabies is quite common amongst the monkeys there. And she had come in and this monkey just went rogue and bit her face like 12 times, bit her face and her arm 12 times. And this doctor has to inject all the bite marks in her face. So I was like, honestly, I can't, I'm not going to complain because this was just on my shin. And it was such a small bite. You can barely even see it. It's not even a scar. So all is well that ends well. Great Makes for a great story. Good times. But if you are going to go to a country where there might be animals that have rabies, highly recommend you save yourself the drama and get vaccinated against rabies so you don't have to drop 5K on the human rabies immunoglobulin 
uh, treatment. Anyway, that's my fun story of the day. Let's get straight into the brain fact. Now, the brain fact that I want to talk about today is why cheap magnesium acts as a laxative. So you may or may not have noticed this or realized this. Some people know it well and literally use cheap magnesium as a laxative. But there is a difference between when you buy an expensive magnesium, something that's uh, marketed as high quality, high quality ingredient magnesium. It's a lot more expensive. There is actually a difference between that magnesium and the really low cost magnesium that you get. It's still magnesium, but they're quite different and they behave differently within the body. So there's many kinds of magnesium. I won't mention them all, but there's magnesium oxide, magnesium hydroxide, um, aspartate, citrate, sulfate, chloride, L3 and 8. There's a whole bunch of different kinds of magnesium. Not all magnesiums are equal and they don't perform the same. And the absorption rate of each kind of magnesium is different as well. So today, the one that I want to talk about is the inexpensive or the quote, cheap form of magnesium that you might have encountered. And this one is very commonly known to have quite an intense and very effective laxative effect. And this one is called magnesium oxide. This is often used to treat heartburn or indigestion, but it has a really low absorption rate of 4%. So it's not really good to take it for, if you're looking to take magnesium for cognitive benefits or muscular recover benefits, it's not really worth taking this kind of magnesium when you compare it to the other kinds of magnesium, which are better dietary supplements because they've got better absorption. You get more more than 4% getting absorbed. Um, so the effects on the brain and the body are a lot superior. Uh, and these would be magnesium such as magnesium citrate, magnesium orotate, um, and magnesium L3 and 8. So magnesium oxide, it's easy to take, it's safe, and it's low cost. And in East Asia, it was widely used as a laxative for a very long time. And it still is. And kind of even around the world. I know a lot of people that have used it just like, if you need to go, but you're not going, you just pump a few, like three cheap magnesiums. And that's like, you have sure bet that something's going to happen down there. Um, so what happens is once you ingest this magnesium oxide in your body, it gets converted into something called magnesium chloride. And this is due to the acidic conditions in your gut. And then it's converted into magnesium bicarbonate and then it eventually gets converted into magnesium carbonate. Okay. So it's this whole like series of events that occurs once it enters your gut. And once it's converted into magnesium carbonate, that substance increases the osmotic pressure of the intestines. So osmosis. What is osmosis? So osmosis is described as the process where molecules of a solvent or water molecules pass through a semi-permeable membrane, in this case, the gut lining. So it's moving from a high concentration of water to a solution where there's a low concentration of water molecules. And this happens within cells as well, cells with it throughout the entire body. Okay, So it basically increases the water content inside the gut. It's pulling water from outside of the gut into the gut. And therefore, it makes it easier to pass stool because it's bringing water into the gut and the stool. So then you just fucking flush the whole thing out. So if you take a lot, you might find that there's a lot of water as well when you need to go to the bathroom, to put it lightly. 
Just remember though that not all magnesium supplements that you buy are the same. So you need to pay attention to the kind of magnesium that you're buying. If you want to get a magnesium that's really great for your brain health, for you know the the you know optimal brain performance. I've spoken in several brain facts in the past about the importance of magnesium on the brain and how it regulates um, synaptoactivity within the brain, um, communication between brain regions. It's, you know, to get to have the, the right levels of magnesium or, you know, healthy levels of magnesium is super crucial for the brain, not to mention for your muscles and your recovery and all of that. So if you're looking for a dietary supplement of magnesium for those purposes, then you want to stick to the ones that I mentioned earlier, such as magnesium, L3 and 8 or citrate. Um, and you're going to notice that those are more expensive. Okay. So there is a difference in, if you, if you look at magnesium when it's really cheap, take a look at the label and it's likely going to say magnesium oxide. Okay. It's not bad for you. It's safe, but it's got a really low absorption rate. Like I said, 4%. So it's not going to be, you're not going to get the effects on the muscles and brain like you would with the more, the higher quality, more expensive brands. So that's the brain fact for today. I hope you found that fucking interesting. And yeah, if you need a laxative, um, there you have it. Now, let's get straight into the topic of today's show and or today's episode, I should say, and that is the importance of showing up for others. Now, showing up for others comes in many forms, many forms. The simplest form, it's not it's often not even the easiest, but the simplest form is giving someone attention and giving what they're saying attention, really paying attention, not just staring at them and putting your phone down and looking at them. I'm saying paying attention that you will retain that information that you can then ask them how the doctor's appointment went or ask them how's their mum going after she went through that surgery or ask them these things, right? So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but it's a really good study and I think it's important to bring it up again because there's also so many episodes. So I have to kind of bring some old content here to be reminding you guys because not everyone's going to go through the full 190 episodes. There was a study that was done. I actually heard about this from a psychologist on TikTok. So I wish I could quote him, but I do not remember his name. Hopefully I can find him again. But this man, psychologist on TikTok, very good. And he quoted this study and it was done on couples over a prolonged period of time over which couples had a happy marriage and which couples had an unhappy marriage or ended up getting separated. And they found that the couples that ended up being successful long-term were the ones that always gave attention to the little comments when they pointed something out. And often it was something nice. It's not necessarily where they were there for the bad times, but when they were when they shared the good moments together. So for example, if someone in the part in the couple, if one of the partners says, Oh my God, what a beautiful sunset. It only took the other person saying looking up and saying, Oh yeah, wow, that is a beautiful sunset. That just the acknowledgement and the sharing of the good moments together that it encouraged every time if you feel heard and if you feel that you're sharing this moment with your partner, then you're more likely to want to bring your partner in to share more and more of these moments. However, if you point things out and your partner just huh, huh, or ignores you or whatever, then you're less likely to make these comments and you're less likely to think of, your, of wanting to bring your partner in to share these beautiful moments. So it's something so basic, but that can actually determine the successful 
relationships versus the unhappy relationships or the happy relationships long term versus the unhappy relationships. It's sharing in those little good moments where you give your partner the time of day when they make a comment, you pause, you pay attention to what supposedly the person you adore has to say and you acknowledge it and you, you know, make a statement, you agree or you, if you want, you can disagree, whatever. But it's, it's acknowledging these little comments that are said. So that simplest form, which is giving your partner or giving, not even your partner, mind you, the study was around partners, but the idea of showing up for someone is sometimes just giving them the attention that you're re- like you are ready to respond when they say something or when they make a comment, okay? If someone repeatedly leaves you in the lurch when you ask a question or when you make a comment or when you point something beautiful out and they just, you know, they just go quiet, they don't say anything or they keep ignoring you. If that keeps happening, it might not be a big deal to, maybe not a big deal to either party at the time, or it might not be a big deal to the person who's ignoring. But what happens is eventually the person who's making these comments starts to just not bother anymore. They just don't bother. And they eventually start to think, when when they think of something beautiful, they start to think, well, I'm not going to share this with my partner because they're just not interested. Or like, I can't be fucked getting ignored again. So I'm just going to keep it to myself. And then the communication starts to slow down between these two people. It starts to slow down to only the, only discussing the things that are necessary to discuss instead of discussing the other beautiful things in life, what you observe, what's on your mind in that moment. It comes down to like, we have to talk about this because it's necessary to talk about this and then we'll go and retreat to our own little corners of the home. That's what starts to happen. And this is really, really common in a lot of couples where, you know, the, the flame has died. How do you not? The flame has died. A lot of the flame dying comes down to a lack of interest in what the other person has to say on a daily basis. Okay. You know, you get bored because it's not exciting, but a lot of it comes down to just not being there for each other because everyone's there for each other in the really hectic full on moments. But I'm talking about the little moments as well, where you make someone feel valued and heard and loved. Okay. So that starts to happen. The communication dwindles down and then the romance is gone bang. And then you're just two people coexisting right? So that's the first one. It's just giving someone attention. What you have to remind yourself of is, and I mentioned this just at the start of the podcast, but the greatest, one of the greatest things to feeling happy and to feeling on purpose is connection. One of the greatest, if not the greatest human need is connection, is community. It's not living around human beings, but not speaking to them, it's engaging at a deep level with other people. It's having a community. When someone has a community, they are much more likely to feel supported. They are much more likely to feel like they can get through something or they can achieve something or they can fall back on someone. When you have community, you feel supported and you feel like you want to help someone else and they're going to help you when you can't help yourself, okay? So it's this incredible human need that we have to have. It's part of our survival. It doesn't matter what your love language is. The number one thing is connection, quality connection. Because you might think that your love language is, oh, I like receiving gifts, I love whatever. But if your partner's never there for you and you raise it to them, 
saying, look, you're never there. You're literally never there. And when you're here, you're not present. And I feel so detached from you. If they try and make amends by buying you a gift, the issue has not been solved. Okay. So all the love languages, there are the peripheral things that add to the relationship. But when you talk about a need, it is connection. Okay. You can't replace quality time with a present or with, you know, cleaning the kitchen for someone. They're great things on the side in addition, but nothing can replace human connection. So I'm going to be breaking down in a second um, six things that you gain from really showing up for, for people and how it's absolutely going to transform your life. And then I'm going to break down ways that you can show up for people, um, really simple ways that you can show up for people. But just before we get into that, I want to preface all of that by saying the following things so you can really focus on what I'm about to say as I talk about what you're going to gain from human connection. You have to remember and you have to remind yourself all the time that giving someone your time and your attention is by far the greatest gift that you can give. You can't be in more than one place at one time. Your time, once spent, you never get it back. So to have someone's attention is a gift. When someone gives you their attention, it is a fucking gift. Don't squander it. Don't throw it away because what they're giving you is very precious. So don't be ungrateful for that gift. If you think that it's okay to be scrolling on your phone while the people who you love are talking to you directly, talking to you because they want to talk to you, they want to share something with you. And if you think that it's okay that while that's happening, you're scrolling through your phone, then I think you need a little bit of a reminder. You need to be reminded that these moments or this moment like this will not last forever. Nothing is permanent. And you regret the things that you don't do. Are you one day going to ask yourself, God, I wish that person was here in front of me so I could give them all the attention in the world, but now I can't? How would that make you feel? I hope that moment doesn't come for you, but think about it. At what cost, if, if you don't show up for people that you love, for the most important connections in your life, what will happen? What will you regret? What will the cost be? Why, what is so important that you can't show up for the people closest to you and give them your time and attention? Now, there might be a legitimate reason. I'm not saying that there's no excuse in the world that you can't be there. That you have to juggle things in your life. People have deadlines. People have to work a job so they can get paid. I'm not saying that there's no excuse in the world. There are, and you need to find a balance. But make sure that the reasons that you're not there for someone that you love, make sure that those reasons aren't because you were distracted doing something lame that is worth nothing and where you get nothing out of it when instead you could have been having a really deep connection with somebody that you love. Make sure that you're not trading gold for pennies. Make sure that you're not trading a quality moment that you will never have again for scrolling and watching some fucking stupid video, okay? That's the reminder that I want to say because these moments that you will have with people, with your children when they're really young, with your parents when they haven't yet gotten too old, with your best friend before they move out of the city, they're never going to happen exactly the same way again. This day will never repeat itself again. And you're going to have a greater appreciation for those around you if you remind yourself of that fact from time to time, ideally every day, not to be a pessimist, but to live more in the moment. And hopefully it will make you want to show up for the people that mean something to you. 
Don't do something now that will make you regret later in the future because you regret the things you don't do. You regret not showing up for the people around you. That's what you regret in action. Okay, so now I'm going to break down six things that you gain by showing up for people. Number one, you build a deep trust in somebody. You have to give something. When you show up for somebody, you have to give that person something that you cannot get back. It's kind of like almost a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time. I mean, it shouldn't feel like a sacrifice because you're gaining as well, but you're giving your time, which you can't get back, to somebody else. Okay? Time and attention and care. You give something of value to the other person, and that person sees that, acknowledges that even if, if not logically, but they acknowledge it emotionally and they start to trust you. They start to build a real sense of trust. If there's no second agenda, if there's no other agenda and you're there showing up to hear what that person has to say, you're there to be there for them during this time, they begin to trust you, okay? That's very valuable and you can't buy that. Number two, it starts to build a really deep connection and that is one of the main, like I said, one of the main pillars of true happiness, okay? So if you're someone that's out there concerned about not having found your purpose yet and worried that you might not find it and you're trying this, you're trying that, you don't know what your purpose is, lean into connection, deep, real connection with others and see how your perspective starts to shift and how you start to feel happy and then realize that your purpose might come from areas that you didn't realize or areas that you weren't looking at, okay? It might come from another area. And if not always, purpose is linked to human connection. Number three, it benefits you because you start to feel truly fulfilled. It's not a surface level thing. You feel it you feel fulfillment within you emotionally. You get to experience what people dream about, this deep connection with someone who loves you, with someone who cares about you, or with someone who wants the best for you, okay? You start to build on that connection and it feels very good. It feels fucking good. You can't beat that feeling. It is something that you need, but it's also something that, that will help you become a better person as well. And from a chemical standpoint, you're releasing, you're starting to release all these neurotransmitters. You're getting a much better release. If you're someone who will isolate themselves and, you know, like I used as the example before, you know, you're, you're, you're addicted to checking your phone all the time. You're scrolling through this, you're scrolling through social media, blah, 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 over a connection with somebody else. You're going to feel very flat. Your dopamine release cycles and your dopamine levels are going to be shot to pieces. You're probably going to be highly stressed or depressed uh, or anxious, or you might even have social anxiety as well or a form of it. Okay. So the flip side of that is when you give time and attention and, and um, effort to other people and you start to build on that connection, you start to build on that trust, you start to really show up for somebody else, you start to, on a, on, as far as the brain is concerned, you start to bond with people. You release oxytocin. That feels fucking good. That gets released when you connect and bond with people. That's what helps you get closer to somebody, whether it's a relative or a friend or someone that you've just met. You start to also feel this rush because it's a human need to have connection. So you start to release these feel-good neurotransmitters, not in these erratic spikes, but in natural 
healthy waves because it's not this like um, reward, reward, reward. It's more this, you know, I'm building towards something that I care about. So, you know, whether that be this also happens when you're working on, you know, a long-term goal as well, but this happens when you have human connection. You get a good release of dopamine. You get a great release of serotonin because when you feel gratitude, you get a release of serotonin. So you start to actually change what's going on within your brain when you start showing up for the people around you. If you're somebody that suffers from a mood disorder, try to start reaching out to people that you trust and people that you are close to and work on those connections. You know, if you're somebody that isolates yourself, the problem, you might find that the problem gets worse and worse and worse because you've cut yourself off. So you're feeling less of these, you know, emotions, these, you're feeling less of a connection and then you're getting less of a release of those feel good neurotransmitters within the brain. And if you want to know a deeper, I would highly recommend you go and check out my episode on dopamine and how that acts on the brain because that really explains the difference between behavioral addictions and chemical addictions and how it's like a hit of dopamine, a hit of dopamine, a hit of dopamine versus doing other things that's going to have a much healthier release cycle of dopamine when you feel good and when you stop doing that thing, unlike a behavioral or chemical addiction, that dopamine drops below baseline, unlike that when you do things that release dopamine in a healthy way, like human connection, working towards a goal, you don't drop below baseline when you stop doing that task or stop interacting with that person. It just comes back to your natural levels, if not sits a bit higher and then, you know, cycles back down and up. Number four, you make a greater impact on others than you think. And you might shift someone's mood, not just for that moment, but for that day. You don't know what other people are going through. And sometimes the simple gesture of showing up for somebody asking to help them on something, asking them how that thing went and making them realize that you remembered what that person told you, making them realize that you value what they have to say enough to not only remember, but then to ask about it. Sometimes doing that for someone, you don't know how much that person values that. So you, just by showing up in the little things in life for other people, you could be making a much bigger impact than you are aware of. Back to the purpose thing, sometimes your purpose, you will start to realize your purpose when you realize the impact you have on an individual. I think we get really caught up on, I need to have an impact on, on, the, on the greater population. But then isn't that kind of not thinking about the greater population? It's more thinking about, I need to, I need, I, 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 instead of thinking, what impact could I have on this individual? How could I positively impact this person's day right now? What is something so small that I can do that's going to make that person feel good? You don't know what mood that person's in. You could have turned someone's mood around. You could have turned their day around by doing something, by just showing up for that person. So you make an impact greater than you think, okay? And that's, that is very valuable, very valuable. Because for me, I would rather make an impact on someone. I'd rather, I would rather when I die, people talk about the impact that I had on them versus what, you know, what successes I had or accolades or money or anything like that, okay? Because that's the only thing that remains is the impact that you have on other people. That's it. That's all that remains. When you die, that's it. That's fucking it. The memory. Number five, you start to learn so much about yourself. When you show up for people, you learn about the kind of person that you are. 
You'll learn about what you want to change about yourself and what you're really grateful for within yourself. You start to become really, you know, proud of yourself for being able to provide this for somebody else. You feel fucking good. You start to work on your self-love because you're like, wow, look what I'm able to give. Look what I'm able to fucking do. It's one of the best things you can do for your own confidence. Helping someone else out helps you out. It's a two-pronged benefit. You gain so much when you help someone else because the way you look at yourself changes when you start showing up for other people. You respect yourself. You start to love yourself. You start to think, fuck, I've got something to offer. And you start to really admire those traits about yourself and who you are, okay? And if you're someone that struggles with who you are and your value and how people perceive you, then this is going to be a really, really good exercise for you to start building connections and and giving people your attention and your time and, and showing up for them. And that's going to start to feel really good. And number six, your emotional maturity will skyrocket, okay? You start to learn how to understand other people. You learn how to deal with people that you have differences with. You learn how to sit and listen to somebody without having to provide a solution, but just listen. You learn to be selfless when it's needed, when it's necessary to be selfless. You learn empathy. You learn sympathy. You just learn how to be, how to show up as a better person. And that emotional maturity cannot be bought, okay? There is nothing greater. There is nothing more attractive than emotional maturity. And by attractive, I I don't just mean sexually attractive. I'm talking about magnetic. There is nothing more magnetic than someone who has high levels of emotional maturity. And when you show up for people and you're fucking present and there, that that is the only time you learn emotional maturity. That's the only time. You can't learn it in any other way. Impossible. You can read all the books, you can listen to my, I hope you can, you know, I hope you listen to my podcast a lot, but you have to put things into practice in order to learn it. You can know all the theory, but you have to practice it. Now, just to remind yourself and just to make myself clear, I'm sure you guys have already gathered this, but showing up for others does not mean putting people or putting everyone else before you. It doesn't mean being a martyr. It doesn't mean running yourself into the ground so others can be happy. You don't, you don't have to put other people's secondary needs before your primary needs. But you'll be surprised at what a simple gesture could mean to someone who's feeling alone or misunderstood or sad. It's, it's combining how you care for yourself with how you care for others around you. That is what I mean when you show up for people because showing up for yourself is equally as important. Okay. Now, how can you show up for other people? Ask someone if they need assistance. If you get home and your neighbor's got their shopping bags, even if they don't, even if they say no, ask them, do you need help with that? Boom, it's a connection. That person feels seen. They feel like you care. You've created a conversation between neighbors where maybe you would have never spoken to your neighbor before. Okay. Ask someone if they need assistance. It doesn't matter if if you know for a fact the answer is going to be no. You're just showing up for someone. You're saying, I see you and I care and I'm willing to to, to step away from my time and give it to you. Okay? That's really a nice gesture and people appreciate that a lot. Okay? It makes them notice this encounter. It makes them pause and be present in that moment. It's awesome. Another way to shop for someone is to be patient with a stranger and to be understanding. 
you know, if someone's accidentally held you up because they're, you know, you're in the shops and, and they, whatever, they're at the register and something's gone wrong, whatever, instead of blowing up or instead of sitting there thinking, fuck, I'm so pissed off, like, you know, brewing, which is, you know, I feel like in this fast paced environment that a lot of us live in, it's our default reaction when something like that happens. Just take a moment and think, how can I practice patience with this person? Or better yet, you can even intervene and say, there's any way I can help you, you know, but you don't have to even just being patient. And when that person turns around and says, I'm so sorry, you can say, no worries. It's not a problem. You know, something like that. That's showing up for someone because you don't know what that person's gone through that day. You don't know if they've had a series of events that's led them to this stressful thing where they're fumbling and they've, they've held someone else up. Okay, people are fighting their own battles all the time. So a great way to show up for a stranger is just by being patient with them and being understanding with them. Okay. Another thing you could do is help someone before they ask for the help. So this is more so, well, and this actually can be with a stranger, but this can be with your friends, if your family, if you know that they need something, go ahead and do that thing for them or help them do that thing for them, okay? Simple, doesn't have to be too hectic, but it's just a little, it's a gesture that lets them know that you've shown up for them in that way. Another one is allow someone to vent to you or to cry on your shoulder without having to be the person that has to offer a solution every single time. Sometimes all someone wants is to be comforted. They don't want this intervention of, you should do this. This is how to fix it. Do you want your problem fixed? If they wanted that, they'd probably ask for it. But if someone's in a really, you know, bad way or in a down place, sometimes they just need a safe space. And you being there, offering them that safe space just to be like, I understand, or I can only imagine what you're going through, or let me be here for you. Cry on my shoulder. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how this affected you. You know, just listen and be there and don't try and talk sense into them and don't try and tell them what they've done wrong or how you've got the solution. Just be there. That is a huge way to show up. Even if you have the solution, now is not the time. Just be there for them. That's massive. And it means a lot to somebody. It means a lot because it offers them a very, very safe space at a time where they're being very vulnerable. Okay. Um, helping someone with something that you're more skilled at, you know, like with technology, with your parents, or, you know, if you've got a skill set that your friend doesn't have and you can just chime in and be like, look, I can quickly set this thing up for you if it makes it easier. Shit like that. You know, you don't have to do it, but if it makes their life easier and you could do it a lot faster, that's a great way to show up for someone. Uh, and also remind yourself, you don't have to wait to be asked to show up. Many people will suffer in silence. Many people will be fighting battles that you don't know, like I've said before, and you don't know what someone's going through privately. And it doesn't even have to be that they're going through something tough or an acute stressor in their life. But sometimes just this human connection is going to turn their day around or it's going to make them, it's going to pull them out of what they're thinking or what's, what they're focusing so hard on or what they're stressing about or what's doing their head in and it's going to lift them up out of that and think, wow, okay, I've got this connection to be grateful for. Wow, I've got this person who's, you know, shown me that I'm, you know, that they want to interact with me and that makes me feel good, okay? So 
sometimes ask yourself, how can I be more intuitive with the people around me so I can show up for them in a way that maybe they haven't even asked me for? And that's how you become a fucking unbelievable friend, an unbelievable relative, an unbelievable partner, okay, or parent or child, all of the above, co-worker. That's how you become great, just by thinking, what could it be? What could I give this person? How can I show up for the people around me today? If you ask yourself that question often, you're going to think of a million ways to be able to show up. You're going to follow through. You're going to action those things. That person feels great. They feel connected to you. You feel the connection. You feel high on fucking life because you feel great. You've just gained all these things that I said you would gain and more. And it's cost you not much at all, not much at all. And what else are you going to do with your time? What else are you going to be doing? This is what you should be doing, okay? Think about it. Write those things down. Ask yourself the question, how can I show up for others? And you are going to feel absolutely unbelievable. And so are the people around you. That is the episode for today. I am going to be doing a part two of this and it's going to be the importance of showing up for yourself. So that's either going to be the next episode or maybe in the following week or so. I haven't planned it yet, but... I definitely want to do one about showing up for yourself. Now, I've got a listener question. Um, Let's get straight into the listener question. Here's my question slash sort of situation. My best friend and I have been really tight for two years and we've been through a lot together. I'd always felt like she'd been bitter towards me and my successes, whether it's my relationships or my work life, and kind of tried to ignore it. But recently, I've been handling rebuilding my relationship with my most recent ex. It is all healthy and really communicative, communicative, and I'm certain she is someone I want in my life. But my best friend is really judgmental of this. I can understand that a little bit of concern is important, but she's turned really nasty about this situation. She's taken this really personally as if it's insulting to her that I'm willing to try again with my relationship. I'm wondering when the right time is to realize that our friendship has perhaps run its course. When do I say enough is enough and stop letting that get in the way of my choices and my life? Okay, so there's a lot going on here um, and a lot that you need to kind of ask yourself, okay? Because the first thing that you need to do in this situation, um, well, number one before anything else, is understand that, and you will be making this clear to your friend, but understand that you are entitled to obviously date whoever you want, as often as you want, whenever you want, even if it's toxic, you know, like people might want to help you and advise you otherwise and whatever, but it's your life. You, you could date the most toxic fucking person in the world if you want to. It is your life, your time, your decisions and your emotions. So you are entitled to do that. If she turns around and thinks, well, every time you're with this person, you're just too much of a burden, your life's a disaster, I don't want to be around it, that's her call and she can walk away. Absolutely she can. But you have to understand that this is your decision and it's also your mistake to make. I think a lot of people a lot of people think, but I, I, I advised you against it and I'm, you know, I'm going to be telling you in a few months, I told you so and whatever. We all have to make our own mistakes. I mean, some, this, this relationship could be a great success for you, but what I'm saying is she thinks it's a mistake, but you're entitled to that mistake. You are allowed to go and do something and try it out for yourself and see if it works or if it doesn't work. Just because you look at someone else's life and it didn't work for them doesn't mean that going down a similar path for yourself isn't going to work. So the first thing you need to make clear is that I'm aware that this didn't work out in the past. I'm trying it again. I know it comes with its risks, but I'm taking a fucking calculated risk on this relationship and I'm doing it. End of story. 
the fact that someone has given you advice, it's not a demand. They're not a dictator. They've given you their advice. Advice is to be, you can is you can take it or leave it. Okay, so people need to get less offended especially close friends, when you don't take their advice. People need to have less emotional attachment to the advice that they're delivering, okay? Because what if their advice is not even that great? What if they don't see what you see in the relationship? You have to take their advice? It's ridiculous, okay? So what I would do, so that, that's the first thing that you need to acknowledge. You're completely in your right to do that. The second thing you need to do is before you cut this woman out, you need to really ask yourself because you said you've you've been really tight for two years. You've been through a lot together. I would imagine that there's a lot of good in this relationship as well. So you have to ask yourself, is there any ownership that I have in this situation that has made my friend feel left out, abandoned, rejected? Have I kind of put her on the back burner? Maybe yes or maybe no. I'm not accusing you of anything, but ask yourself these questions. Is there something I've done to make her feel really rejected? And she's using this relationship as kind of, a reason to hold on to or to lash out on, but really she's just hurt because she feels me pulling away from her. She feels me, she feels the relationship falling apart and she's kind of like clutching at straws here and acting in a way that isn't beneficial for anyone, but that's just her way of acting out, showing that she's hurt. So really address all those things. And sometimes when you put really deep insight into your own behaviors, you may find that there were certain things in your behaviors that you're thinking, oh, wow, I really haven't prioritized her yet. Or those fun times that we used to have, I haven't, I haven't made that a priority to just spend one-on-one time and actually have fun. It's just been quite heavy the last few months. It's been really like every time we see each other, it's heavy topics or it's just not been enjoyable. So it feels like a drag hanging out with her now. So it, once you've cleared that, if you can have a clear conscience and say, no, I've, I've done everything I, I've, I can do as a friend. I've really tried to make her feel included. I've really done all these things, tried to make her feel loved and X, Y, Z. Then I would have one talk with her and I would say, look, this is a situation. Something's got to give and it's not going to be my relationship, okay? So it's either you decide that you, you don't have to talk about it that much, but you decide that you're going to not intervene or not get angry or not be annoyed at the fact that I'm choosing to pursue this relationship with my girlfriend. Or this, and this is an ultimatum, but ultimatums can sometimes be healthy because it directly impacts you. Or you say, this friendship is just not going to go anywhere if you literally have such a problem with my partner. Because regardless of what happens with my relationship with my partner, I want my friend to respect my decisions about my life. And if I've made a mistake, friends are there to help you when you pick up the pieces of a mistake. Friends are there to ride the fucking wave with you. You know, if, if, I mean, my, my best friend Liv, she's got a fucking great boyfriend now, but she's gone through the fucking trenches with duds. And so many times I've been like, babe, don't, fucking go there and she goes there and it you know is a failure and I'm there bringing over pizza to pick up the the pieces at the end with her you know that's what fucking friends do the fact that she's having this meltdown because she doesn't think it's a good idea that's not fair that's not fair on you okay so you say that to her you say look this is what friends do and if you don't want to have that kind of friendship then maybe our friendship has run its course okay but I do want you to really ask yourself first could I have been there in a way and maybe I haven't been there with for her? Because if, second scenario, if you look at that and you think, wow, I actually have been a shit friend the last few months, then what I would do is I would approach her and I would tell her that. I would say, look, I've actually dug deep and I actually think that 
there's more I could have done in my friendship with you and I feel like I haven't been there for you as much and I feel that now that I'm entering this new relationship, it's getting in between us. But I think the main problem is that I could have been a better friend. And then see how she responds that way, okay? Um, I feel like with close friendships, I always, within reason, like to give it one final red hot go because I think a good friend, you know, is, is hard to come – not hard to come by but should, should be really – nurtured a good friendship should be nurtured and you know um like you need to water the friendship so if you've exhausted all options then absolutely it's 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 definitely run its course if she doesn't want to turn around on either of those things that I said and say yeah you know what okay let's give it a let's let's just turn a new page and let's start again if she doesn't want to do that then then you, you earn your right to say, look, I'm sorry it's run its course I need to prioritize myself and I'm you know I'm going to give this relationship ago okay hopefully that helped you you know with your feelings and how you're feeling about all of that guys thank you so much for listening to today's episode it's so good to be back it is so good to be connecting with my audience again it is now definitely on apple as well it did take a while for it to get back on apple can you do me a massive favor like you guys have done in the past you guys have been incredible for the growth of my podcast but can you please continue to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast just hit the follow button um, or the subscribe button depending on the podcast player and please continue to share the podcast with the people around you Um, and if you're sharing it on social media please tag me in it because I absolutely love seeing not just the stories that you post with, with the podcast cover but what you guys write about it it is just the best so I love you guys so much so good to be back Oh, no words. So exciting. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.